little squabbling stuff is at an all-time high. So again, silly stuff like you hear the cliches of like, my husband doesn't know how to hang a towel on a towel bar. Or, you know, it's my wife's that, never taken a bag of garbage out. Or, <laughs> and, that, and that's turning into World War III because, exactly. because they can't get out of the house and they're living with it 24-7. Welcome to the Clear Choices Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Eigner, and it is my unique privilege to bring you intriguing conversations with people who have made the bold choices necessary to elevate their lives and create a positive impact on the world. By hearing their stories, I hope you walk away more motivated and more inspired to do the same in your life. Because we all have choices to make. My goal is to help inspire you to make more conscious and powerful choices, clear choices. Now let's get started. Have you ever thought about hosting your own podcast? This episode of Clear Choices is brought to you in partnership with Libsyn. Powerful Podcast Hosting, the podcast hosting, distribution, and monetization platform since 2004. Use promo code CHOICES and you can get over one month of free services. Go to Lipson.com, promo code CHOICES. Welcome to 2021. I'm excited to have this guest. It's Karen Stewart. She's a psychologist, clinical psychologist, specializing in couples and sexual dysfunction. And uh, I'm excited to have her here for a number of reasons. I mean, first of all, her field of expertise is um, is very interesting. But also, given what we've gone through in 2020, the pandemic and everything involved with that, the the stress levels on couples, the stress levels on on humans in, in general have been much higher. And uh, I, I'm very curious to hear the process and the challenges and, and opportunities that uh professional like Karen in his face. So Karen, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. So so how long have you been uh, a therapist? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I can tell you when I got licensed. Um, I, well, I've been in Cal about this. I've been in California for 20 years. Uh, I moved here for graduate school and I stayed. So I have been a therapist for at least 15 years now. I, yeah. I graduated in 2004. Anytime anybody asks me that, I'm like, that is a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get 15 it. plus years. Yeah, 15 plus years. I love it. And so uh, what caused you, what helped you make the choice to get into the specialization that you elected? Well, it's, you know, a little background on me. I'm from Michigan, um, raised with very Midwest values, Midwest lifestyle. And, you know, for the most part, a major stereotype is people stay together. You know, people, their relationships stay together. You work through it. And I noticed in my friendship groups and through high school and through college that a lot of people's parents were getting divorced. And one of the big reasons was, you know, just not communicating properly or fell out of love or whatnot. And I knew I wanted to be a psychologist when I got to school. Um, I definitely made the choice over psychology versus law because I actually went into Michigan State to become an attorney. And I soon discovered that that wasn't for me. Um, so basically I found the specialization of wanting to help couples stay together, help couples keep their relationships strong. And frankly, it's a, it's a niche market that people don't want to talk about. They find it very taboo, but it happens to basically every adult out there wants to have a good, healthy, romantic, and sexual life. And so, uh, I'm going to ask, uh, you know, maybe an obvious question, but so how has the last year and all the things that have, uh, challenged us as a society? How has it challenged relationships? Oh, wow. It's, I have had more couples 
call me, talk about disagreements, fighting, just living on top of each other. I mean, the biggest thing I will say out of couples that's fascinating is that, you know, you might have been dating this person for a long time, married to this person for a long time, but for the majority of these people, people spend time out of the house. So you go to work, your partner goes to work, you come home, you have a meal, and you do it again tomorrow. When we've been locked in our houses together for now close to a year, you know, little quirks start coming out. You know, I didn't realize how annoying it is watching you eat breakfast every day or wow, that's how you do your lunch or things you never knew about your partner. So, you know, even, you know, your big house turns very small. Um, Everybody's on top of each other. We forget how to, you know, take care of each other. And, you know, the biggest thing I've been noticing is when and how do we have, you know, sex? You know, how do we reconnect? Because we've been sitting on the couch, you know, for four days now, I don't really feel romantic towards you. So that's been the biggest thing is just really reconnecting with your partner when you're spending 24 seven with them. So give us a, a, a little bit of a, a summary of 411 on the kind of advice you would give to those things. I and mean, I think that's a really valid challenge of like, hey, we're, we're in the house together 24 seven. So I'm not necessarily feeling as romantic. On top of it, I might have kids there, which yeah, makes yeah. it logistically harder to, to have romantic interludes. So, so what's some of the advice you give? Number one, you can always, I mean, this sounds extremely petty and very superficial, but, you know, hear me out before, you know, uh, you, you, uh, you judge me, you know, taking care of yourself, you know, stereotypically women look different when they leave the house than when they stay in the house. You know, a lot of us have, there's been plenty of memes or jokes about, I haven't washed my hair in a week. I haven't put makeup on in six months. I don't know if my high heels fit anymore. It's okay to freshen up and to take care of yourself in a way that makes you feel good and will symbolize I'm in the mood for romance. So, you know, taking that little effort to, to freshen up before, you know, before the evening, um, trying to have a date night, whether that date night is you're going to order the kids a pizza and you guys are going to get a food that you haven't had in a while. You know, like I have heard from so many people, like, I don't even know sushi restaurants are open anymore because I would never order takeout sushi, but you know, that was our date night. So doing things you used to do, and yes, it's hard. You know, it. Let's be honest, it is hard to find romantic times when you're working, living, eating, and breathing at the kitchen table, and you know, <laughs> in your office. So carving out that little time, making sure you're prioritizing your relationship. You know, that's the biggest thing we forget is that we were a couple before having kids, before having dogs, before the pandemic. So what can we do to re-energize that? Scheduling date nights, scheduling times when you can be productive with just each other. And yeah, maybe it's hard. Maybe it's taking that little walk around the block, holding hands or going to the coffee shop instead of making coffee at home. You have to be creative right now because this is, this is tough. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I can identify with that. I mean, my wife and I have done some, we have always had date nights and, and we've done some funny things like, okay, we're going to go get pokey for takeout. And then we yeah. go, go up to a park where there's a view and sit in the car and listen to music sure. and, and eat our pokey in the car. And, right. you know, at least it's something different than being home with the kids. Right. Exactly. It's something different. And so I'll tell you a funny story. So about the, the car thing, you know, way back in the day when we were teenagers, you know, maybe, some of us, maybe, um, <laughs> you know, did our little may yeah, me too. Um, did our little makeouts in the car and that was our spot for privacy. And, you know, something dawned on me in the very beginning of quarantine. I remember it was like mid-April when I had this couple and they were just at each other's throats because, Mm -hmm. again, they've never spent this much time together. So, you know, just like your date night made me think of that, of saying, there's nothing wrong with going to make out in your car. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, guys, we're going to run to the grocery store. 
go relax somewhere on a side street, you know, maybe, you know, have a little kissy time and snuggle and totally. it, it re, cause it recharges that muscle. You got to mix it up. You got to mix it up and you got to find that private time now. You can even do, I would imagine you could even do something as, as small as, Hey, we're going to sleep in a different room in the house. Exactly. Just something exactly. that small, like, Hey, the guests, we're going to use the guest room tonight just for the, for something different. We're in a hotel. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're in a hotel. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna jazz it up. Well, I mean, I even had people. I mean, you know, so during the pandemic, we've had quite a few holidays, and we just ended our holiday season. And I think that was one of the biggest things of you know, a lot of people get a little either emotional or tense or anxious at the end of the year. So you know, I, I work with a lot of couples that have kids, and then you know, obviously some of them don't. If you don't have kids, it does make your life a lot easier to try to reconnect romantically because mm-hmm. like you said, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, having a little hanky panky on the couch or in the middle of the kitchen or, you know, accidentally not wearing clothes when you're cooking tonight. Or, I mean, you can mix it up so much easier, but I think it's interesting and fascinating to me that couples forget that. Like it didn't even occur to me to have sex on the couch. <laughs> it's like you live alone. You know, <laughs> why not in the bedroom and call it a day? <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever you, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, no, listen, I, I mean, to be just completely transparent, like we we struggle not with the desire part, but we struggle. My, my wife and I, with, you know, we have two boys, teenagers. Yeah. We have us under a 2000 square foot house with hardwood floors. Sure. They're, they're up later than we are. <laughs> it's like finding that time where right, we can right. do it is really hard. It's hard. It's hard because you don't, you know, it's, you, you want to have that connection and you want to, but you know, I, I do want to point out to you that I love hearing that you have the desire because a lot of times by the times couples get to me, which that that's my little FYI for people listening that are considering couples therapy, do it before it turns into crisis mode. So and define, define crisis mode, define that crisis mode to me would be when I get that call, maybe it's at four in the morning, literally where somebody's clearly Googling or, you know, finally picked up my card and finally decided to call where it's that kind of final straw, big fight, or, you know, I love my wife, but I haven't felt romantic towards her in six months. Um, We sleep in separate rooms. When you get to that point where it's kind of like the mayday, we're going to, we're going to break. There's nothing wrong with that. You can certainly go backwards, but where I like to kind of catch couples, it's, it's almost like in, you know, in physical illness, if you have that small rash, it's time to go to the dermatologist before it covers your entire arm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that analogy means to me that when you start having those, you know, fights a little too often, when your desire starts getting low, when both of you are kind of, nah, I'm not really in the mood. I don't really want to connect with you. Let's talk about it now. Before and it festers into something. Before it festers. And, um, you know, little advice I'll give is that if you, if you start noticing a difference in pattern, you know, everybody's favorite question to ask me, well, what's normal? How often should we be having sex? And, you know, and the canned, but real answer is what's normal for your relationship. Some couples once a week is awesome. Sometimes it's once a month. Sometimes it's three times a week. If you notice a change in your pattern. So let's just say you're the once a week couple. It's every Friday nights. And for the last five years, if you've missed that Friday night, two, three times in a row, you're starting to have a problem. Something's mm-hmm. going on. You know, mm-hmm. why didn't, why wasn't it a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Saturday? Pay attention to that. So paying attention to changes in your relationships patterns, not your neighbors, how your relationships being affected. How, how often is infidelity a part of your work? Well, I will say in a funny way to put it, it is drastically dropped uh, due to the quarantine. I was going to add, that was one of my, <laughs> my, one of my planned questions was like, I'm sure cheating has 
had to have gone down because you can't swipe right as easy now. Exactly. Well, you can't swipe right. And it's, you know, you have to be significantly more creative to meet people, even as a single person to meet people. But infidelity is a big one, you know, and I will say in my experience, emotional infidelity, or we'll call it virtual infidelity is significantly higher than physical infidelity. And that's meaning, meaning pornography. Nope. Um, I would say more like when I say virtual, it's more of like the I'm going to, you know, it's very innocent. I'm going to reconnect with my high school boyfriend and he might live across the country, but you know, we're just going to be chummy pals. And then all of a sudden we're having a full blown, you know, every day, all day, I'm talking to him. I'm telling him about my day. We're talking about the past. It might have zero to do with sexuality, but that emotional energy. You're You're having an emotional intimacy with someone other than your partner. Yeah. Correct. That is rampant with all of the social media we have with, you know, obviously, you know, the dating apps are, you know, a a total another animal when somebody, I'm just looking for new friends. No, you're not. You're on a dating app. (laughs) But so, so infidelity has drastically gone down. Um, Fighting has gone up. Disagreements have gone up. I, I will say it's kind of funny to point out, but little squabbling stuff is at an all time high. So again, silly stuff. Like you hear the cliches of like, my husband doesn't know how to hang a towel on a towel bar. Or, you know, it's my wife's that, never taken a bag of garbage out. Or, <laughs> and that, and that's turning into World War III because, exactly. because they can't get out of the house and they're living with it 24-7. Correct. Correct. So how, how have you adapted your work, your application of your process, given this new reality that you're dealing with? Uh, I went all virtual uh, about the middle of March. I'll be honest, I went kicking and screaming, um, but it took... I rent an office um, that has a, a group of psychologists and we had kind of like a little power to talk about it because, you know, in the beginning, this, this virtual format was really challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really do believe in the exchange of energy in my work and I like being in person. I like being able to see body language more and to be able to, you know, really connect with somebody. But to be completely honest, it is, it's so normal now to me and I really can connect with people. And it seems, you know, I've had plenty of new patients throughout this process. So you're meeting somebody new on the computer and what I do like about it is I know I can do my work from anywhere now. Um, I have a client on the East Coast that I picked up from a, a patient of a patient type thing. And so it's expanded it's, it's expanded your world in some ways. It's absolutely expanded my world. And it's it's been really helpful because those patients that maybe moved away for X reason or they're out for work for some reason that we have are in drastically different time zones, we can make it work. So I feel like I'm much more accessible in a lot of ways. And then in the exact same sentence, and I'm a lot more accessible. So, <laughs> so I will have people saying, um, I know it's Saturday, but can we, you know, connect? Because they know I'm home. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's exactly like what I, what I joke with about my family. I'm like, I, you know, the pandemic's been great. I'm spending all this time with my kids and I'm spending all this time with my kids. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, when, when I think about couples work, it's, it's relationships are work. And, you know, I, I've seen also, I like seeing the kind of progression of, you know, maybe you experienced this too in the beginning when we first got the orders, like in, you know, March, maybe up into April, this was fun. This was goofy. Oh, we're going to cook all the time. We're going to drink too much. We're going to, you know, this, it was so novel and so fun. We're going to play those Because we thought, because we thought it was going to last a month or whatever. Exactly. Too. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, yeah, oh, this will be, this will be a hysterical March and April. But by the end of April, I mean, I'll tell you a quick story that I remember the week, I think it was week three that when this, you know, so week one and week two, everybody was joking and laughing and frankly, having a ton of sex and being funny and like joking about like, oh, we need to go buy more wine and ha ha. And 
week three, I swear to you, probably 75% of my practice hit a wall where single people feel like they're doomed. They're going to die alone. Married people are, oh my God, I'm going to be divorced by my birthday. You know, older people are petrified. They're going to, to die. You know, young people are thinking they're never going to date again. How are they going to function? And it was just this wave of anxiety of how are we going to get through this? Mm-hmm. And with the couples, especially that was where you really had to rework the, okay, let's joke about this as we've been in vacation mode. Sure. You're eating too much, drinking too much, tons of sex. How can you alter that to make it still fun, to make it still goofy that, you know, your husband figured out how to use the oven for the first time in 10 years. Can he still do that next Friday? Because it's fun. Right. And to try to change that. Okay. So you were having, you know, sex in the shower because your kids are in the next room. Great. Why did that stop? Right. No, you know, to kind of, you know, mix things up like that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Well, and and so you're talking a little bit about the the stress load that this last year has put on us. So I wanted to share with you some data that I pulled from a a psychological journal. So let me read this. It says nearly one in five adults, 19% say their mental health is worse than it was the same time last year. By generation, 34% of Gen Z adults report worse mental health. Gen X, 21%, millennials, 19%, boomers, 12%, and the oldest adults, 8%. So I I found it really interesting that the the youngest people had the highest stress levels and the oldest people kind of cope with it the best. And I'll just finish the the data. Uh, Gen Z adults are the most likely to report experiencing common symptoms of depression with more than Mm. seven in 10, noting that in the prior two weeks, they felt so tired that they sat around and did nothing. 75% 75% felt restless, 74% hard to think and concentrate, 73% lonely, 73% miserable or unhappy. So that's wow. the that's the whole quote. What do you what's your take on all that? I like that I broke it down by age because I will say in my experience I completely agree with that. A majority of my practice, I would say the I don't know about average age, but the youngest person I have right now is 21, the oldest person I have is 80. And I will say the older, the better people are doing with this. Hmm. I personally believe, especially with, you know, my specialty and, you know, frankly, I deal with everything psychological, but that, you know, I do have my core specialty. I feel that the older folks are either in relationships, you know, long-term lifelong relationships, or they have their kids or they have their solid friendship group. And that has been helpful for them. When you have the 21 year old that has had all these great plans of, you know, things that we might look at as silly of your spring break was canceled or, you know, this date you were going on or that dance or graduation or whatever graduation. And those are the the major life events of thinking like I was ecstatic to move across the country and go to college. And now I'm on my mom's couch at 22 years old. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's been drastic how, how much our lives have been affected. And, you know, I think the younger, the younger you are, obviously the more time you have. And if that person can look at it as we all hope this is very temporary. We don't know when this is going to end, but it will end at some point. Right. We will go back to normal. You will be able to travel again. You will get a job. You will date. You will make friends. You will be able to hang out with your buddies and do X, Y, and Z. I think it's that loss of hope that has been the scariest part for me to hear. Now, uh, I'm curious, you know, going, thank you for that. Uh, going back to the conversation we were having about couples, you know, so many couples, particularly in my age range, I'm in my 50s. Uh, you know, a lot of our social interaction or our date nights, not always, or sometimes our date nights are alone, but sometimes they're with other couples. And that's, sure. that's, that's part of what makes it fun is like, oh, I'm, 
you yeah, know, yeah. you know, you're you're talking with the guy, you're talking with the wife, you know, vice vice versa, and it kind of stimulates <clears throat> conversation you wouldn't be having on your own. And so, obviously, there's less socialization happening now. Like the 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 Zoom cocktail hours kind of got old after a, a month, exactly. right? Yep, yep. So, so how much of that is impacting the relationships that you're guiding? I think you're entirely right. You know, when we when we hang out with other people, it brings energy into our relationships. You know, like you said, you're talking to the guy, she's talking to the girl, you know, we're mixing it up. I think that has, again, been some of the hardest times because you're just relying on your partner, your kids, your immediate family. Like you said, the Zoom calls got old really quickly. You know, if you can try to do it again, you know, try try a Zoom call in a different way. Is there like a game night? Like I know that there's actually a TV show that um, one of my patients recommended where it's a, um, I forgot the name of it, but it's couples going against each other, doing little challenges in their houses. Mm-hmm. And the, this patient, you know, actually told me about it and said, it's hysterical. It's fun. It's, and it, it's teamwork because you and your partner have to, you know, fight against other couples. And, you know, I think you're absolutely onto something that we need that energy exchange with others. Yeah. We, we, I mean, the, the simple solution that, that we have found that's really, I think had a lot to do with our sanity during this last <laughs> sure. year is that, you know, we have a, outdoor fire pit in the backyard. And, you know, we have, I mean, probably three times this week, we're going to have people come through the side gate friends. Nice. You yeah. know, they, they bring their own bottle of wine. They bring their own glasses. Yep. yep. They sit 10 feet away on one side of the fire Perfect. pit. We're, we're 10 feet on the other side. And, and, and it's, you know, you just sit there for three hours and laugh and have a good time. That's, and that's perfect. And, you know, and I, I will suggest that, you know, we live in Los Angeles, a ton of people live in apartment style living. You can do that ex- exact same exercise. You can, you know, be creative, go to the beach, go to a dog park. You know, it's interesting that people forget about that, that dog parks are free. They're local. Sure. Probably not great to be drinking in public, but if you're ambitious, you can still, you know, grab a bottle of wine and spend time with each other. But I think that's a, a fabulous idea to be able to socially distant, still connect with people. So what do you say to clients who are, um, you know, feeling overwhelmed? You know, there's, there's, to me, there's, you know, there's so much grief that we're all experiencing, even if we haven't lost a loved one. And of course, many, many people have, but there's also like a certain, you know, numbness to the the onslaught of bad news. It's just like numbers on a screen and talking heads. And it just, there's just so much. So how, how, how do you talk to people about coping with that? The first thing I'll say is that I'm really big into mindfulness and I don't like the theory of just, you know, shake it off. Don't pay attention to it. Pay attention to your feelings. How many times have you woken up with this overwhelmed feeling? You know, be in, be in your feelings, basically. What is overwhelming you now? You know, and one thing we haven't talked about yet is, you know, just stability and financial stability, which mm. has been huge for, I mean, you know, we live in Los Angeles, you know, we have the entertainment industry, the entertainment industry plummeted during this time. And, and it's one of the most expensive places to live. In the and country. it's one of the most expensive places to live. And it's, you know, it's hard. So to, to deal with those feelings of being anxious and overwhelmed, what did you used to do when you had them? Are you somebody who likes to journal? Do you need to call friends? Do you need to make that kind of like go list of, you know, find your top 10 friends and even a text? Hey, so-and-so was thinking about you. How's your day going? Can we catch up later this week? Trying to have human interaction tangible thing to do, turn off the news, turn off your alerts from, you know, CNN or your local stations or whatnot. You're right. You know, in the beginning, we were obsessed with the numbers of, oh, X people passed today, X cases. 
can be extremely overwhelming to watch those numbers go up and up. And frankly, in my experience, I feel people become a little jaded to that mm-hmm. you know, back six months ago. Oh my God, you know, a thousand people died today. And now it's more like, wow, you know, three people, 3000 people died today. You know, we become so immune to mm-hmm. seeing this horrible news. So turn the news off. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean to remain ignorant, but it's to help protect your mind to focus on something else. So, so, you know, you brought up finance. Um, so however you want to address this, I'm curious, like, you know, what percentage of your clients approximately are dealing with financial stress? Uh, how much of financial, um, I remember a long time ago, I heard a stat of like the main things that break up marriages are, you know, lack of communication, financial issues, and sexual issues. I don't know if that's still the right order or how it goes. So I don't know about the order, about hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so talk to us about the financial component as it relates to the relationship, especially during these times that we're in. I think financial stress is probably, I personally think it's gotta be top one, if not number two, because when we're feeling unstable, it shakes up the dynamic of the relationship. There's folks out there that are literally unstable that are we going to be able to, you know, pay our rent, pay our mortgage next month? Are we going to be able to, you know, put gas in the car? These are issues we've never had to deal with before. So if your communication was already struggling, this might create an even bigger divide. So what I've recommended to couples that have gone through this, where one, if not both partners have lost their jobs or had reductions in their incomes, you have to have little business meetings. You know, don't talk about finances every day. Try really hard not to wake up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning and say, oh, you know, what about this bill? Have little incremental meetings and maybe you even have to time it. Um, There's this one couple that every Friday, Friday at five o'clock, they did like their house business meeting. So, okay, we're going to pay the cable bill. We're going to pay this. We're going to hold off on that. So, you know, you have that time coming up Fridays at five o'clock. So you're not inclined to bring it up randomly on a Wednesday. Yeah, no, I think that's really good advice. And I will say that my wife and I have some version of that where there's consistent financial communication. So there's yeah. not there's not a lot of stress around that. Interesting though, as I'm because I'm thinking about the other part of your work, which is the, you know, this the romantic piece sure, of the puzzle. Sure. So, you know, when you become real business partners in a long-term yeah. relationship, it does sort of dull the the romantic side, right? Because you're dealing yes. with like, well, we got to pay the property taxes here and we got to <laughs> do this and we got to move money from here to there. And it's like, yeah. it's not exactly sexy, right? So, of course, yeah. Uh, so, so how do you balance, how do you find balance, help, help couples find balance within that framework? I like compartmentalization in that way that, yeah, like you just said, nothing sexy about all the stuff you just brought up property taxes and groceries and, you know, you know, the doctor's appointments for this. And yeah, that doesn't make anybody hot and horny. So maybe (laughs) you make those kind of talks and we'll say, you know, just make it up like a Wednesday. So, you know, your, your weekend where you're not having eight hours of zoom calls and this is happening. You can have your weekends free for more of that couple time. Mm -hmm. You know, the big thing I like to remind people is your partners in this. Okay. Yes. Your business partners, but you're also romantic partners. You know, you chose to be together you know, throughout this process, throughout life, you know, whatever your commitment looks like, you have to reconnect with that idea. Yeah, there's going to be times when you're both going to go to bed, maybe a little tense, maybe even angry, but let's try to shake that off and work on it tomorrow. You know, it's very cliche, but communication is key. If there's something either partner said, talk about it, talk about how it made you feel, talk about, you know, hey, I didn't really like that we kind of blew off that idea of, you know, paying off so and so or talk about it. Because the more little resentment, and that's the biggest thing, like when I brought up like the silly thing of like, my husband doesn't know how to use a towel bar, 
those stupid little things will add up to an explosion at, at some point. And then it's going to be that one day he's going to leave the tell on the floor and World War III is going to happen. And that's even harder with finances because mm-hmm. when it's, you know, why did you spend money on this? Well, why did you spend money on that? That's a tough one. Tell me, I'm really, I'm really curious about this. Um, how often do you find that people are either on different pages financially or they're not even sharing money or accounts? That's an interesting concept. I will say uh, that's actually fascinating. I just was talking about that yesterday. I find that the younger generation, the younger you are in your relationship, the more divided you are. And mm-hmm. I believe that that might be generational. I think that generation you know, X and on had that concept. They watched their parents have one checking account. You know, we both threw the money in, or, you know, a lot of people were raised at that age where just dad worked and mom took care of the home. If you have separate accounts, what I like to, and and by the way, I deal with finances just as much as I deal with sexual relations because Mm -hmm. it all blends together. So what I like to tell people is always have a joint account. You're allowed to have your individual accounts, but you should put X percentage in of your income. So if you make a hundred thousand and I make 10,000, we're both still putting in say 20% or whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. Because when you put in a dollar amount, then that's not equal, you know, because if you make a hundred and I make 10 and we're both putting a thousand dollars in, that's just not fair. Mm -hmm. So percentages are are much easier and and much better to look at. Have an agreed upon amount uh, or, you know, like for the credit card, we are using this credit card for groceries, gas, dog expenses, blah, blah, blah. Not your nails, not your hair, not your golf clubs. This is what it's for. Mm-hmm. So everything has to be very, very upfront. Um, I'm not a fan of people hiding money. That happens to be a big thing where people. Will that's say, that's just as bad as re- other infidelity. Yes, it is because when it's you know why are you hiding this money? You know you know is it to, you know is it something as benign as you know we're in a pandemic and I still want to get my nails done? Talk about that. What is your desire to do something like get your nails done? You know it's whatever the amount is, you know, if it's $50, it's not about the amount. It's about the, like you said, the emotional infidelity of like, why are you hiding $50? And believe it or not, that's a real story. <laughs> no, I, I, I believe it. And, uh, you know, it really my, is. <laughs> my, my wife, my wife and I have had a, a very simple solution for us around this. And that is that, you know, certainly there's a division in terms of who makes how much, but we, uh-huh. all, all of our accounts are joint, mm-hmm. uh, a, and B, um, when either of us make a purchase over a hundred dollars, we just have to get approval. Great. Okay. Simple thing like, Hey, I'm buying some tennis shoes. They're 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Enjoy. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that way there's no surprise on the credit card. Like what the hell is these Adidas for 150 bucks? You know? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but you guys made that choice to make your finances an open item. Absolutely. So, and that's where, you know, one of the big words I use a lot in therapy is differentiation. So what that means is, let's say those $150 Adidas shoes, maybe that's a splurge in your family. So if you want them, you're going to be able to own to say, hey, I want these $150 shoes. And if your wife says, you know what, I'm really uncomfortable with that, then it's an open discussion. Exactly. It's not a hiding, what the hell is this $150 at Adidas? This, you know, I can't believe you're wearing a pandemic. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's choice on how you choose to, you know, spend your money and how you choose to communicate with your partner. Exactly. No, I appreciate that very well. L- the last couple of things. So one is, you know, here we are, it's January 2nd, happy new year. Happy new um, year. And uh, as you know, as we know, and I talked about in one of my last episodes, because I had a, a business coach uh, as my guest, you know, people make all these new new year's resolutions and they're, they're trying mm-hmm. to create a new, a new look, new face, new, whatever. Sure. 
So, so how do you guide them on that? Cause you know, you're, I'm sure w- whether it's relationship related or financially related or fitness related, right. you're, you're hearing about a lot of people's aspirations for the new year. How do you make it? So it's something that can last. How do you help them? Small, small goals. When so let's use fitness, everybody has the fitness goal, you know, at the new year, I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to lose 50 pounds, make the goal as small as humanly possible. And let's just, you know, make a big goal of I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Okay. What does that look like? Well, I'm going to cut out all sugar, all carbs, all whatever the hell. Try to make it one day. Okay. Well, it's also, it's a pound a week, right? Like you it's say, 50, a week. you say yeah. 50 pounds. I'm like, okay, it's a pound a week. Just focus on that. Right. Exactly. But a lot of people have those outlandish goals of like, I'm going to lose 50 pounds by March. No, you're probably not. So when, you know, you reach for that, you know, cookie a week from now, because you're starving, then you're going <laughs> to feel like a failure and whatever, you know, right, finances right. are another big one. You know, I'm going to save X amount. I'm going to put $10,000 in my college fund. Okay, great. Can you save $50 this week? Can you save a hundred dollars? And frankly, have those little successes for yourself. If three weeks in a row, you put a hundred dollars in your savings account. Great. Compliment yourself, you know, maybe have that out. And by the way, you're not a failure if you don't do that. You know, you bring up something really important. I think I, I feel like I, I coach people as well. It might not be uh, in a therapeutic setting, but I, I do coach people. And I think one of the things I notice is that a lot of uh, individuals fail to celebrate their successes. Yes. And then that yes. that compounds to, you know, they focus more on the failures. And so it, it's just this negative cycle. And yeah. so to, to your point, I think that's, it's so important to be like, Hey, you know, I put away X amount of dollars for a month. Like right. I'm going to, there's some kind of re, or reward, whether it's, you know, it doesn't have to be a financial reward by the way, but you know, some kind right. of reward that you get for achieving the behavior, the habit that you're trying to create. Anybody who's ever been a parent or frankly has ever been a child, we are all, we were all raised on that idea of like reward system mm-hmm. of, you know, potty training is the best example. Many, many, many people use kind of like the token mentality for potty training. Oh, you know, you use the bathroom, you get a, you get a gold star, you get a, you know, a cookie, you get whatever. We're just like that as adults. So when you put away that $50, compliment yourself and people, you know, it's makes you sound like, you know, you're crazy or a Saturday night live skit. You maybe it's, it's, it's so primitive as saying like, okay, your goal is to lose 50 pounds. Every time you put your, your walking shoes on, say, good job, Karen. You know, you put your walking shoes on. Wow. You made it down the stairs. You made it on the street. And it sounds ridiculous. It really does. But believe it or not, our minds need that positive reinforcement. You know, right. we, we need to hear positivity. I and agree hundred percent. Yeah. And you get home from that. You took a mile walk. Oh my gosh, you made it a whole mile. That's amazing. No, I so, agree hundred percent. And that actually ties in perfectly to my, my quote that I wanted to share with you to, to close up our interview today. I always am looking for the positive and challenging situations, not Pollyanna-ish, but I'm always, trying <laughs> right. to, I, I'm always trying to look for the positive. So I found this quote that I thought kind of spoke to, to what's going on in the world right now. And the quote is, stress is good. To achieve great things, two things are needed, a plan and not enough time or resources. Mm, okay. I like that. So how does that, how does that resonate with you in terms of the, the work you do with your patients? The last part of the quote about what was it that was it the lack of time and resources? Yeah. That really stuck with me because when we're on easy street or we're comfortable, we don't excel. You know, if you, if you have that goal, sometimes we need to shake things up, you know, frankly, just like the pandemic, because when, when we almost take advantage of our partners or we take advantage of our life situations, 
And what I mean, and that sounds harsh to say, take advantage, but when we don't put energy into that, it can become stale. So maybe that, you know, to bring it back to your quote, maybe we needed to have some of these kind of shakeups to focus on how much our partners mean to us or to really hunker down and look at our finances or to put sex on the front burner instead of the back burner of our relationships to love each other, to take care of each other. You know, I know I'm kind of going on a tangent, but you know, when we, I think that's been a big thing is that we, we just take it for granted that our partners are going to be there. I think that's a, a perfect, a perfect way to wrap this up, uh, to end on a note of love and on a note and, of love. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So uh, today's guest has been Dr. Karen Stewart. She can be reached uh, at www.drkarenstewart.com, drkarenstewart.com. Really appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much. It's been great talking to you. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've been inspired and motivated by what you heard today, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Post it on social media, invite friends, and let me know if you have any potential guests. While you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to connect with you as well, so check out our Facebook page by searching Clear Choices. I'm available for speaking engagements, and you can find more information by visiting our website at clearchoices.live. And all this can be found in our show notes. Join us next week for more inspiring stories that can help us all make clear choices. Thanks for listening.